And this ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR20 because you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. Beat writer Patrick Lyons will be along for the ride here in just a minute, and it's a great thing he will be because we have got sort of opposite ends of the spectrum energy going on today. In just a little bit, he is going to be throwing at me some of the takes, some of the analysis, some of the thoughts and opinions of one Chris Russo, who we know often has very outlandish takes just sort of in general, especially when it comes to the Rockies. And I'm just going to be reacting to them in live time. Uh, I, I haven't heard these before. He told me that there was a thing out there. I decided, okay, why don't you throw them at me? I'll react live for the people on the podcast. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Before that, we've got something really fun for you that we want to do as all of you know, or at least most of you, I, I assume know. Uh, was it last week, week before? I don't know. Days ago, Patrick and I uh, drafted our all-time Colorado Rockies power hitters, right? Our team's who if they were to theoretically go up against each other in a home run derby, I took five guys that I think had the best chance of hitting the most home runs. He took five guys who he thought had the most chance of hitting home runs, you know, who was still available. You know how drafts work, right? I don't need to explain this to you. You all probably listened to that podcast. Well, the cool thing is through a little bit of a, obviously a partnership here with DNVR Gaming, we're going to be able to take a look at this. We're going to be able to actually run our teams up against each other and get ourselves a winner. Me versus Patrick, Rockies versus Rockies. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, We're not going to put all of it probably on the podcast unless you reach out and let us know that this is something that you just want to see more of. I was basically thinking we would put the first round for you on here today. We'll give you the first round. You know, if we've got time, uh, we may get a few other parts, but we'll at least give you the championship round once we get to that as well. But uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. These things go by pretty quick. They're kind of two-minute rounds of guys hitting home runs on the video game. We get to enjoy it. We get to root for our own guys. Uh, those of you who thought you know Patrick's team was better than mine, anyone who thought my team was better than Patrick's, well, now we can put our money where our mouth is. I wish we, we could take DraftKings Sportsbook you know, odds on some of this stuff, but uh, you know, considering I could theoretically mess with it if I really wanted to, which obviously I don't, but that you couldn't do that. But this is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, we're going to go through it. Uh, the first round today, like I said, it, it's going to be, you know, just a, a short little thing we're doing. If it's not your cup of tea, don't worry. If it is your cup of tea, let us know and we'll continue to do a few more of these. But uh, it looks like We've got our guy, Patrick, potentially in here, and we may be able to hop into it and get this thing done right away with a little bit of trash talk and home run hitting from some of the greatest Colorado Rockies of all time. One already in the Hall of Fame, one who will be in the Hall of Fame, a matchup of Titans, a clash of the Titans. Darn it. It was right there in front of my face. We got Larry Walker versus Nolan Arenado today. Sir Patrick, are you in? Of course, my team is going to win. I mean, it's fine if you. I understand why you want the simulation and and you want to actually see what the results say according to this. But I mean, I guess it's just to give you a little bit of hope, right? I mean, you know, I, <laughs> it, it, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see, it's talking a big game. I like it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to go ahead. So for right now, um, we're just running this off of my Twitch channel because. Uh, there, there was no way to do this on the podcast and also on Twitch at the same time for right now. There, there are ways to do that. But 
in the future, if you're really into this, make sure you're following the DNVR Twitch channel and DNVR Gaming and all of that. But just here for our Rockies thing is a fun thing we're going to do here for the next couple of minutes. I'm going to share it on the screen so you're all going to be able to see what we are looking at here. I've got it coming up right now. And for those of you just listening to the podcast, we will do our best best to make this uh, you know, a radio quality, filling you in on what's going on here. And don't think, don't think I don't notice that you you uh, used your first pick to go against my, I believe it was was second pick. So I yeah. mean, well, trying yeah. to stack the tables. I see how I see how it is. So for this first round, and as we get started here, Walker comes up just a little bit short on his first. But for this first round, uh, you know we're. Uh, uh, I, I think we're going to have to do a round robin here, Patrick. I think everyone's going to have to play everybody. So this just seemed like a fun first one to take a look at. Actually, you know what? I, I stand corrected. You you did you select uh, Andres Galarraga as your first pick. So these are both our number two oh, okay. selections. So I do appreciate you trying to keep this on the up and up. Man, I tell you what, I know it's a video game, but it's just great to see Coors Field again. Isn't it? And to see people nice? there and on a sunny <laughs> right. day. I don't I don't know if any of the games that I ended up going to this year were day games. Do you remember? I feel like they were all oh, night yeah. games I went yeah. to. Yeah, you only went to night games. I got a couple of day games in there. Man, uh, day games are nice. And Walker's struggling here. Several coming up just short of the wall. Not a great start for my second pick. He'll get that one out 460 the other way, though. 45 seconds left. Got some time. He's got four home runs. This one out to deep center field. Just short, though. Again, that's like his third or fourth to the warning track that's out. Is that Carlos Carlos Estevez pitching, 54? <laughs> oh, yeah, it might be. <laughs> Throw a little BP. Oh, that wall is hammered. Okay, two in a row now into the second deck, 485. Now he's in a bit of a groove with 20 seconds to go. And, and Drew, I don't want to hear anything about, Oof. oh, man, that hit the Breitich barrier. That wasn't there when he played there. I, no excuses. <laughs> Whatever We're happens, happens. Three on that one. <laughs> you got to accept it. Modern rules it's or right. house rules. What do they call it? Yeah. So it's going to be close out to center. No. Nice little late surge. He's going to have one more shot. Oh, I think he got all that one. Yeah, he got high. All of, that's a triple deck shot. Oh, oh and then a 30-second wow. bonus round for hitting one. I think you got to hit one over like 450 to he get 30 seconds it. of bonus time. Yeah. It's party time if you hit it in the party deck. Which is going to be hard to do for a right-handed hitting Nolan Arenado, but yeah, that, oh right, <laughs> we need Even something the on the other side, right? Oh, this could be a barrier oh. one here. Oh, just over that wow. one. That could be a big difference. Remember that one. If it comes down to one home run, one way or the other, this one's going to be close. No, that's going to no. Fall I think it's going to drop. Medium. All right, that's a solid round. It is solid opener for Walker. What did he, what did he get to? 12, 13? I think eleven. Oh, okay. Well, no, ooh, 10. I think he had 10. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. No one's okay. <laughs> I don't he feel had great. Seven, about seven during regulation, three during oh. the bonus time. Oh, no one's going to blow me up right here. I don't like this at all. <laughs> you know, the, the, only, the only downside about doing a live podcast is that we don't have like, you know, a 1 800 number for people to call in because I imagine right now, if Arenado doesn't hit at least 12, he would probably be calling in live. Ooh. To say, right. wait a minute, guys. This wait. I don't know what kind oh, of simulation man. you're using. Oh, there's 47 on the first first hacker oh, Rooney. And then the second one's gonna get to the concourse. Oh, I don't feel good about this. Oh my god, landing on top of someone's Heltenberger, 475. Eesh. He just swung and missed. It just, <laughs> he just goes right back into the cage, and then that one's gonna be close. Nope. These ones that One have a lot of hang time, they they end up eating up some of the clock. You know, they end yeah. up kind of taking away a, a another swing or two. Oh yeah, this one's a no doubter. Yeah. Four ninety one. Four ninety one. Wow. So you said what? You get extended time if it's yeah. How far? Over four fifty, I think. So he'll get his bonus time. Oh man, is that four home runs now with a minute to go? He's got He's going to beat ten. Oh, oh I think the barrier, the barrier. I think that's our first one off the barrier. It's if a you, solid single to left. 
I think if you go opposite field and you hit the Breidich barrier, we might want to call it the brain surgery barrier. <laughs> Only if it's Papo. Oh, Only on right-handed hitters. Only oh, on right-handed hitters. Pull a couple into the front row and left, but they both Ooh. count. So six now with about 30 seconds to go. I don't think that's getting out. No. Nope. If he can get to eight, I'm going to feel pretty good. If he can get to eight in regular in regulation oh. time. Oh, man, I might hit the mitt. Just missed. Half a section Ooh. over. We're just underneath that one. Yeah, these ones the opposite way are doing him no favors. Nolan can't quite no. get it out the right field. There we go. That's going to get way gone. I feel good. I feel good with right. eight right now. He might have two yeah. more swings left. All right, he's hit more, more right he's into the ground. Oh, oh, he didn't even take his hack there. All right, That's, 30 seconds. He's got to hit two to tie, three to win. Esteves doing a split finger, I think, on that last <laughs> pitch there. Cost him a, cost him a hack. I think oh, he finally out. got over the barrier. Down by one here. Fair foul, just short. That's going to be close down the left field That's line. Foul, oh, just foul. Just foul. 12 seconds. He's got to hit one more to tie, two to win Are it. you kidding me? That'll get out. Is he going to have enough time to hit one more to win it? 437. Here one swing left. Gets into it. Center uh, field. It's deep. It. It's back there. And it's just gone at 449. Oh. How ironic. He hits it over the left center wall that has a beautiful advertisement for the Baseball Hall of Fame. How fitting. Oh, man. That was. Now, that's a celebration. The wow. They. They've really, they really got these <laughs> these graphics down because he celebrated like Nolan here going up. Oh, brutal! The contact right there was just too good. It was those those ones he got into the front row. You know the the ones he got at three ninety three and and four oh six, but they count just the same. He's pulling them out there to left. Oh man! And that makes me feel really good about the next round as well, uh, only because. I feel like he, he he popped some up the opposite way and, and and just some better swings. He's gonna have more time on the clock, thereby giving him more opportunities to hit a couple more. So yeah, that was a good that was good good round one there. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to kick it off. Luckily, and this is why I didn't want to eliminate anybody right away. We'll have to do like I said. I, I think we'll do a round robin to decide some seating, and then we'll go through it. We'll start eliminating guys. We'll figure out. Uh, who's won here in a couple of weeks. We're going to run this thing for a while. Uh, hang out with us on the DNVR gaming site on the Twitch channel. If you want to hear more of it on the podcast, let us know, but probably we'll only bring it up for a couple of maybe headliners uh, again in the championship round, unless you, unless there is demand, as I've said, but that was fun. A lot of fun. You jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Even though your maybe. guy won. I, I, one of the things I, I thought about too, and I wonder, and I do think, cause I know in the game, there's a stat for clutch, but when you took Nolan, uh, mm. thinking about that too, because I was there at, in spring training a couple of years ago when he hit a game-winning buzzer beater, no seconds left on the clock, three-point jumper yeah. to win a week-long basketball tournament for his guys. And it's just like, right, I've written about it 14 times and I keep forgetting the dude is clutch. We throw on a little video game, Walker goes out there, hits some monster shots, does his thing, Nolan's behind coming up and then he just he's got two seconds to hit a home run what does he do he hits a home run what do you what's he gonna yeah do? i wanted him to have eight after the first round going into extra time when in actuality even if he was one behind walker and he only had six you go okay clutchiness he'll he'll yeah. make up that difference yeah brutal all right well on that note i i take another swig of strava in but i but i pretend that it's breck brew for now because we plugged strava earlier and we love breck brew just as well uh, i've run out because there were holidays and there was drinking and there was many festivities that included the breck brew uh including pouring it into certain foods and stuff you know depending on what you've got you got that vanilla porter putting vanilla porter in chili by the way is a life hack that i feel like i've mm. never mentioned on the podcast before so whether you're putting it into your chili you're just sipping on that gorgeous beautiful breck brew beer and that's what it is it's beautiful it's beautiful beer and I enjoy it. You enjoy it. We all enjoy it. Get it down at your King Supers or your liquor store, whichever your favorite place is to pick up some brew and get the uh, Breck Brew Locator app. If you're not a local and you're not quite sure where to find it, they will 
help you out. All right, Patrick, let us get into our main topic of the day. And as I was telling the people earlier, I wanted to live react to these. And another caveat to this as well, um, you know, I often disagree with people. Have you noticed that? I don't know if anyone's ever, have you ever noticed that that, that happens? Um, it is not uncommon for me to have a disagreement with other uh, local reporters in, in very stringent terms. Uh, but I I really do try not to argue and fight with people because one, I don't think it's, it, it's for anyone's good. And two, I think actually just ultimately at the end of the day, everybody here on the local beat does a pretty damn good job of fulfilling their job requirement of doing what it is they are there to do. If you think Drew Goodman's a big, massive homer or Jack Corrigan, Jerry Schemmel, Mike Rice, you think those guys are massive homers, guess what? That is a part of the job. You think that, you know, some of the blogger people or uh, Mark Kisla is they're just too angry all the time. You guess what? That's part of their job. That's, that's what they're doing, you know? And so uh, I, I try not to get into it too much with those people because I have a great deal of respect and admiration for all of them. Um, however, <laughs> now I'm not saying I have no respect or admiration for Chris Russo. What I am saying is I have no problem punching up at somebody who <laughs> is doing fine in the baseball world. His opinions get heard. Uh, he's got himself a, a plenty of shows for a very long time. And so when other people write things about the Rockies, that I stringently disagree with. I sometimes avoid using the kind of language I'm about to employ today because who cares? It's Chris Russo. So let's do the thing. Good old mad dog, Chris Russo. Yeah. You know, it, he reminds me of one of those guys like we have in our market that, you know what, they're almost playing a role. They, they, they fit inside a certain box in a sense where you go, yeah, Hey, they got to pop off a little bit. They need to be a Homer. And like every city has those guys. But if, uh, as long as you're, you're fair to a degree, or as long as you stay in that box, uh, a lot of the times, you know, it, people are going to be all right. And again, we get to know guys behind the scenes and we say, Hey, that that's a good guy. And, and mad dog's a good guy too, but right. we're just going to focus on his comments from earlier today on MLB networks, high heat and good morning, everybody. It's in the afternoon, but close. Damn. Ah, Damn. Good afternoon, everybody. All right, grade our Russos in the comments. Grade us out of 10. Or actually, no, a 20 to 80 scale. Grade our Russos. <laughs> I like it. Mad dog impressions on a 20 to 80 scale, please. So yesterday and today, he, is, he was talking about teams that are kind of at a tipping point, right? Do they need to go all in and say, hey, you know what? We need to be maybe buyers here in free agency, make a couple of trades and say, this is a team that is going to be even better going forward. Or is it a team that maybe needs to just kind of stop where they're at and say, you know what? We need to go backwards. We need to rebuild a little bit. So in the American League, he, he talked about Tampa, Cleveland, and Seattle, one from each division. And I think you could probably say, yeah, all three of those teams, you go, you know, what are they going to do? We've already seen Cleveland, you know, maybe take a step back in a sense, still trying to contend, but you know, offloading a couple contracts there. They still have a few guys they want to get rid of. Tampa, we've already seen, you know, say no to, to Charlie Morton, reject his $15 million option, immediately turns around and signs a $15 million deal with Atlanta. Right. And you have right. a team like Seattle, who's had a couple comparisons to the Rockies as far as being a, a younger club that's been rebuilding, you know, for a few years. Are they, should they continue to rebuild or do they need to go all in? And for the National League, he talked about Philadelphia, uh, we, we've seen with the, with the Phillies, JT Riamuto is gone. They struggled in the bullpen in a major way this past year. They, they did sign Bryce Harper, but do they need to take a step back? Chicago Cubs also made the playoffs. They were knocked out by the Miami Marlins mm -hmm. uh, just by the skin of their teeth. And they've got about four free agents coming up after 2021. Do you think it's bad saying, hey, Trevor Story and John Gray are free agents and maybe Nolan Arenado? Well, the Cubs are dealing with Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, yeah. all four of those guys, free agents, do they continue going forward and, and try to win one more here at the end of their window? Or do they need to take a step back? They are at a tipping point. And so I think the Rockies are correct in being in that group. Do you feel like there's somebody else in the West is, is that more of a, of a tipping point? I think everyone 
we know yeah, no yeah in the nl west right no I, I i buy that framing of it to be sure yeah i i definitely think like obviously the dodgers are fine they just are them they're doing what they're doing the padres are on an upswing they've got to be happy with their momentum the direction they're going if i'm running that team i'm not making drastic changes right now um you know the the giants are in a weird spot where it feels yeah. like they're re building where they should be is there oh, very right. clearly should be <laughs> right but they just haven't really been they've just kind of been coasting with overpaid veterans and and bad baseball for a little while and they you know they got some nice performances out of i think some guys this year who overperformed and looked kind of interesting there for a minute but uh no they're just they're a fundamentally poor baseball team uh, with very few prospects at the moment to get better, both literally and figuratively in terms of prospects to get better. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks are a team that I think you could argue is also at a, a kind of weird, interesting tipping point, though. I think they were at a, a tipping point two years ago and or maybe a year ago and yeah, like half tipped. You know, they 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 moved Goldschmidt uh, and Granke, but they they held on to a few other guys and they bought it they brought in players who some of them were like already major leaguers and uh you know it's like are, are they still going to be around by the next time the, the diamondbacks are good so i think there's an argument to be made that maybe the diamondbacks should be in a sell more stuff off position as well um people always seem to think that they're a little bit better than they are um but i don't I, yeah i don't know I, I could buy it with either of those teams, but I do think the Rockies are definitely the team in the division with the most, like you've got to decide and you've got to be right. Cause one way or the other, like you could turn this thing around. And if you turn it around in the right way, well then you keep Nolan Arenado, who's maybe happy and you can maybe sign these extensions or, or bring in guys and keep some things around and, and build around this and extend your, your budget and do whatever else you're going to do here. And, the conversation switches from, you know, everything that's wrong with this team to how can you add to it? Or you could go the other way, right? Um, and we've talked a lot about that on this podcast. And either way it is a big decision because it's an all-in. There's no in-between thing that the Rockies can do. And that's, I think, the most exciting thing about it. If you're like, right, is like there's almost nothing in between that they can do or if they do nothing from now until when these contracts decide for them, well, then they're rebuilding whether they want to or not, because everyone's going to leave. <laughs> so it's just like, and then all they'll have is money and roster spots and, you know, they won't have rebuilt their farm, but that's where they'll be. So yeah, they're, they're at an absolute tipping point. Right now. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest difference between the giants, D-backs and Rockies is nobody's going to take any of, their, uh, of the Giants players. Their, their contracts are too large, and they don't have any prospects to even say, hey, look, if you pay Longoria, we'll give you this prospect. They don't have they, – they are not in a position to be able to do that. And who do the D-backs have that is of major value, right? I, I don't think that's the case, whereas I, you do have that with the Rockies. So this is what Russo said about the Colorado Rockies. I'll say ahead of time, I think they're fair comments, but there's plenty – to dig through with it. So he's just simply saying, Hey, what are they going to do a story? He's going to be a free agent after next year. It's an important question. It, it probably is a good place to start as far as a tipping point. Do you keep them or sign them or, or are you trading them? That's, that's a, that's a key player in tipping, which way you're going to more the rebuild mode or the more the, Hey, let's, let's, let's continue forward with this. Right. And he says with Arenado, we know there's an animosity to say the least between he and the front office quote, he signed that big contract and about a month later wanted to leave because he didn't like the idea that the Rockies were going to be on again, off again. So yeah, well, I thought you'd have something to say about that a month later, a month later. It's, it's always doing? hilarious to me how much people just write their own stories <laughs> into these things that happen. And it's like, it wasn't a month later uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, I, and I've, you know, again, it's like, uh, I'll, I'll punch up at Russo a little bit, but I've seen comments like this in a lot of places where they'll just say things like they're facts. Like, we all know there's animosity there and Nolan doesn't want to be there. And uh, it's all because of this. And it's like, 
Really, because I followed every single word that Nolan Arenado said. I reported on every single word of it. And we know that there was animosity. We know that very little has been done to address it. But never at any point during any of that, despite being asked many, many times, did they get into specifics? Never. And so one of the things that people have done with that situation, I've noticed, is paint their own narrative onto Nolan Arenado. He has become the, my critique of the Rockies is X. Nolan's mad at the Rockies, and we don't know exactly why. I'm going to assume it's X. And that's, I mean, fans are doing it. Media people are doing it. And so he didn't like the idea that the Rockies were going to be on again, off again. I thought, according to other sources that I've read who've stated it just as matter-of-factly as this, that it was because they didn't go out and sign big free agents. And then I've heard from other people that it's because they let go of DJ LeMahieu. I've heard specifically from other people it's because they signed Wade Davis and Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and Ian Desmond. It's like, wow, a lot of people have a straight crystal ball right directly inside Nolan Arenado's mind, don't they? It's very impressive what people know for sure about Nolan Arenado, especially people who have been wrong about him at every step of the way his entire career. It's it's very impressive to me. Yeah, I I I think there's, you know, probably some animosity that the, you know, again, you're right. He's he's kind of writing his own little history saying a month later. But in the grand scheme of things, if you do sign that big of a deal and you make certain comments in the media that again, I think get a little bit twisted. I, I understand that Nolan is is going to be upset and that, you know, how the team is playing, but that's the middle of the season. That's, that has nothing to do with, you know, maybe acquiring players. Maybe they could have been a little bit more aggressive at the trade deadline, but I think, you know, Nolan would probably understand now looking back on it. Hey, you know what? Hold on to these prospects until we actually need to deal them for some assets at a better time. So I think he would look back and go, you know what? Maybe I was a little frustrated at the deadline in 2019, but you know what? Those, those prospects we could have dealt then, that wouldn't have meant, meant anything. That's, yeah. you know, we were the cucarachas because we were trying to stay alive. We were the <laughs> cockroaches, and it, it was what it was. But in 2020, there was something going on there, and, and I was banged up. And you know what? The, the, the organization supported me and supported the team by bringing in some, some fresh bodies. So you know what? You say, okay, you know what? It's, it's water under the bridge in that sense. So um, that, that, that part maybe is, is, is somewhat fair. He continued by saying, you know, quote, that's the way the Rockies franchise is going to be, talking about being on again, off again, because of where they play. And I think I think you're gonna I think you're gonna be on board with this one. That might be the truest thing you said so far. Yeah. And he continued by saying, quote, it's very difficult to sustain winning in that area of the country. Hmm? Pitchers come and go. One year they're decent, the next they're awful. Ubaldo Jimenez is an example. Obviously, the two guys now. Marquez and Freeland is another example. One year they're good, one year they're not so good because it's a tricky place to go out and be competitive on a year-to-year basis from a pitching perspective. Okay. He got uh, it wrong about Marquez. Yeah, Marquez he's wrong about Marquez. Done the, he's good one year, bad the next. Freeland? Yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah, that's that's a fair thing to say about Freeland, and I think it's a fair thing to say about the pitching overall. I, his examples were were bad. Uh, <laughs> Marquez and Ubaldo Jimenez are not examples of that. Ubaldo Jimenez was fantastic his entire Rockies career. He was pretty crap right immediately thereafter. <laughs> and uh, but the, just again, if you understand ERA plus and a little bit of adjusting for Coors Field, however you want it, whatever stat you want to do, just looking at the history of the Rockies. One of the biggest misnomers, one of the more frustrating narratives in the history of the Rockies for me uh, is the notion that Ubaldo Jimenez was a one-season wonder or a half-season wonder. It's like Actually, he was very good from 2007 to the middle of 2011, a very decent stretch of time. Uh, so, no, it's, it's uh, wrong examples, but his point is well taken. Like... Uh, some better examples of that may be Wade Davis, Chris Russin, uh, Adam Ottavino. Uh, that's a better example of a guy who, like, literally in 2017, Adam Ottavino cost the Rockies by himself three or four baseball games and was so bad that he had to get left off the postseason roster. And then 2018, he was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And so, <laughs> like, that's what I think Russo's getting at here. And I do think that that 
difficulty in keeping consistent pitching from year to year is one of the main reasons why the Rockies are up and down from year to year. He's, he's not wrong about that at all, even if I'm not sure he's got the deepest, most nuanced understanding of the problem. He, he knows it's there, and that's that's more than I can <laughs> – that's more than I've seen out of a lot of people. So, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Hey, can you talk about pitching by saying – uh, their bullpen a few years ago, uh, he said, uh, bullpen outlies. Sometimes he can have a bit of a muck mouth. Not sure what word that was supposed to be. Right. Um, but a few years ago it was a disaster. Brian Shaw, uh-uh. Davis, <laughs> they released. It's a situation where it's a very tricky spot to be considered consistently good in a day in day out situation. So I, th- I think he, he nailed yeah. the, the bullpen there on that yeah. point. Uh, yeah. furthermore, the Rockies are in a division where the Dodgers, aren't going anywhere right. and now you've got san diego mm-hmm. okay yep so the rockies are a team that you could go fall off the deep end here they traded arenado if they realize they can't sign story and somehow and somehow make him available so if you can't sign him you make him available he says he continues by just saying where are the rockies going as a franchise with the dodgers about to stampede the division for another 10 years they're really at a crossroads well okay the he's not wrong obviously about the the Dodgers and where the Padres currently are but this is why and I I've always struggled with this I've forever thought this was just the silliest framing of the position for the Colorado Rockies like yeah they play in a division with the Dodgers it's not their fault and they're not just going to fold up the franchise and go home and tell everyone sorry we just can't they're the Dodgers and we suck and we we apologize for existing like no they're always going to have way more money, a $2 billion television deal, people wearing their jerseys and hats in Tokyo and the Republic of Congo. People are walking around in Yankees hats and Dodgers hats and no one's wearing Rockies stuff. And that's a real disadvantage. And then you add all this other stuff. Look, that's always going to be the way it is. That problem isn't going anywhere. And I've often said this, the Rockies can't compare themselves to the Dodgers. You can't. And I know they're in the division. Everybody wants to say, you got to compete with them. No, you don't. You can't. Nobody can compete with that. The, uh, very few people in baseball can actually compete with that. You root for the underdog. You are the runt at the litter. You're the last one at the bowl. That is the team that you root for. The glory in rooting for the Colorado Rockies is overcoming the odds in being stuck in those situations. In 2018, having a team that has all of those built-in advantages and forcing them to a game 163, that's amazing to me. And it's part of the reason why I get so frustrated when people can't celebrate a season like 2018 because, oh man, they should have won the division. Oh man, they should have, could have, would have. Just to get there, what the Rockies have to overcome. So my question whenever people say stuff like this, he, it's right there in his answer. He said, they're going to be there for another 10 years. Are they going to stop on year 11? No, no, they're always going to be there. You don't just quit because the Dodgers are the big, bad bullies of the division. You show up every year with the best possibility that you can, that if a few things go your way and a few things go against them, you can catch them in that year. You catch lightning in a bottle, but that's always going to be the formula. Anybody who thinks like, oh yeah, okay, well, like if the Rockies tear down and rebuild, and you know, take the next four years just to be absolutely terrible, and then built the best possible version of the Colorado Rockies that they could six years from now. Are the Dodgers no longer going to be this huge monstrosity of a team? No, they're still going to be there. They're 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 still going to be the Dodgers in 2027. And so, might you have a better chance at toppling them if you were to take that route? Maybe. And that's why you know you and I debate and argue about that all the time. Yeah. But but the 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 larger point is whether to rebuild or not rebuild for me has nothing to do. And I see this all the time with, well, but the Dodgers are right there. And now the Padres better rebuild over the next four or five years. My understanding is the Padres are supposed to be phenomenal for the next 10 years. Everything I read says the Padres, Padres, Padres. They're a dynasty now. Well, if they're a dynasty now, the Rockies can't just stop trying until those two teams get bad. That's just not an option. Like there, there are some arguments for rebuilding and, and all of that, like, like I said, but no, you, you don't blow your team up because the Dodgers are really good and it's going to be tough to beat them. That's going to be the case forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that, that's, that's where we disagree a little. Cause 
every year they have that opportunity where you're right. If, if a bunch of things break their way, they've got a shot at, at least going to, to game 163. They, it's only happened once and they've, they've still yet to actually negotiate that. They've still yet to say, Hey, let's just do what we can. Maybe if some things go our way, we'll win the NL West. They, that hasn't actually happened yet, but I would like their odds. And again, this, this is, this is where we might not agree. The odds of saying right now, let's look at the timeline and, and the fact that now you're going to, you're going to have these two powerhouses right now for the near future. So that's maybe three, four years. If the Rockies do it right, they can build themselves up, kind of go back to the lab, go, go to the gym, work on themselves a little bit, um, do what they need to do to try to become their own powerhouse. And whether or not the Dodgers are, are still you know, stampeding the NL West, as Russo says here, for that, uh, the entirety of that decade, or whether, you know what, you catch them when they're on the, on the downswing a little bit is, 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 is irrelevant. The right. bottom line is you got to get your own house in order. And I think that's, that's what makes them more at a crossroads. Cause you could look and, you know, if the Dodgers, you know, weren't quite as good and the Padres weren't where they were at, I think you go, maybe, maybe take one more stab at it with this group. Maybe. Um, See, and to me, the two wild cards makes that yeah. completely irrelevant. Like it just, it just, and especially if they're going to go out to, you it know, it makes a thinner margin of error eight, though. You have to admit it makes a thinner margin of error when now oh, you're sure. saying you're, you're literally you're just playing, playing for that fifth spot that you're the fifth spot in the wild card. And that's supposing that the NL central and you know, the, the NL East also isn't very good. It makes it, makes it hard. And, and I think that's why. MLB is really thinking, man, if we can expand these playoffs even just a little bit, I think seven teams right. is still probably too many, but that's probably what we'll get. It'll, can, it'll still make life yeah. a little bit more interesting, at least during the season. It'll make life more interesting for us. Well, and season. and the more I think about it, the more like competitively, because is this the, like the two parts of my brain that are struggling with this, right? There is a traditionalism part of me that's like, no, we play 162 of these things. There's You decide by the end of that, who's good enough to get into the postseason? It's not like the other sports where, you know, the, the regular season is basically just about seeding, you know, uh, you know, uh, but because this problem does exist, particularly in the NL West and uh, in the AL East where, or just really in the economics of baseball, if baseball is not going to get their economics together, if they can't create more parity, uh, by making it so that the rich teams don't have such an extraordinary advantage, then this might be one way they can create a little bit of parity. And I think that's exactly what people hate about it. And it's even exactly what I hate about it. <laughs> like, like Dan Zimborski is on Twitter going, you know, then the number seven seed gets in and in a three game set, you know, gets lucky, gets hot, whatever. We've talked about all the downsides to it before, but the very idea behind the wild card, the very idea of, making there be more teams is to solve the exact problem I'm getting at, because I don't think it should be the case that what you just said, there should be no team that decides whether or not they want to purposefully try to win or not based on what division they're in. That I don't think is a good set setup to be in, right? If you're like, well, Hey, cause think about it yeah, put, to put it another way. If the Rockies were in the NL central right now, we might be sitting here talking about, man, you may, two or three right moves, you could win the division. Not, you know, with a lot of, not with a ton of wins. But and, the Padres, very, yeah. Yeah. and the Padres have done it for 60 games. Again, I, I do believe in them. I do think they're a very good club. But yeah. they, they, they backslide in 2021. Dodgers are fine. You go, oh, they, they would have actually had an opportunity right. in 21 to, you know, get, get into the wild card game. But they mm-hmm. just, they, they said, nope, Padres are a lock. For that and you you got to make them earn it you definitely got to make them earn it we had the the star trek beam machines man i would just be all in favor of divisionless baseball because i really do think it's like it it really it sucks for the teams that are just stuck somewhere where somebody's got way more resources than they do or you know it's just on this incredible run and it's like if you're the if you're truly the fourth best team in the national league or the fifth best team in the national league and it, it just doesn't, and, and it doesn't make any sense for you to try to be good. That's not a good system for baseball. Uh, just because there are two teams in your division who are one and two, right? Oh, we're the fifth best team in the NL. Who cares? Get out of here. 
know, it's like divisionless baseball is getting me pumped for a Rockies NC Dinos matchup. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> now we're talking, right? <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, while while we're talking about smart ideas, by the way, if you want to come up with better ideas than divisionless baseball, and you don't want to be stuck being two people commenting on video games on podcasts in your life you want a better <laughs> alternative for yourself but you got to get hooked up with msu denver online they got all kinds of classes for you all kinds of programs whether you're starting out a new degree you're finishing up an old one maybe you just want a couple of skills to tackle the world out there uh you know they're getting ready for the spring 2021 semester if you're not sure in lockdowns again there's a lot of uncertainty out there one of the things that you can do in life to make yourself more certain is to get a better education, whether it's the full-on thing or just a few extra skills in life. And I can tell you the experts at msudenver.edu slash online have been doing this for years. They can walk you through if you're not sure about online education. It feels scary to you. I would highly recommend not going to a university that just learned that online education was a thing 12 months ago or six months ago. And so go to the experts, go to msudenver.edu slash online, check out everything they got to offer. I promise you, you're going to be excited at the possibility to make your life better. Love that. Well, the school of Mad Dog, not school of Hard, Rock, hard Knocks, but the school of Mad Dog uh, continued. And, and here's where I think we get into some interesting things, not at first, but eventually there's going to be a, there might be a button that gets pushed here for you. But I think so far, yeah. everything that Russo said today is, is like, you know. Yeah, nothing too right. bad. Yeah. Nothing too bad. All right. Now he goes on talking just about Arenado. He says, oh. Arenado has a full no trade. He will accept a trade. I don't think he's going to want to go to some godforsaken place. He's going to be careful about it. He's not going to go to Kansas City. I, I guess that's considered a, a godforsaken place in his book. Sorry, Mom. Um, yeah, he continued. Uh, I think if it's a reasonable chance to win, Arenado is going to agree to go there. I'm not sure how good Arenado is because if you get him out of Coors uh -oh. Field, his offense is – There you go. Dot, dot, dot. We all know his splits. Very pronounced at home. Buyer beware with him a little bit. I don't think there's anything to unwrap there. Okay, continuing on. This is, all right, so one of the biggest, <laughs> dumbest, stupidest, dumbest problems, and I've had this since the beginning, right? And it's not just Nolan Arnauto. <laughs> every time a Rocky star is floated in trades or he's going to opt out, he's going to go to the bigger, brighter lights somewhere else, right? Away from these cow towns like Denver and Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> and well, so it's probably not to Pittsburgh, right? Um, is this, is first they talk about how the Colorado Rockies have to trade their best players. Like they just have to, like they, they don't consider like any possibility where it would be a good thing for the Rockies to keep good players. Like there's very little analysis given in that direction. And then not only do they have to trade these guys, they have to trade them from a position of disadvantage, right? They have to recognize all of these terrible things. Oh, he's got the no trade and he's got the opt out and he's got that contract and the road splits. Get the, out of here with that, with all of that. Nolan Arenado is probably the best human being to ever play third base. Period. The end. Like the yeah. best at, and I look, no one has been harder on Nolan Arenado than me this year. Nobody was harder on Nolan Arenado than me this year. Another thing that keeps getting left out of all of this, by the way, the, it, it's always great to me that like, there's this notion that Nolan is sitting there with the, you know, the proverbial threat over the head of the organization of like, do what I want, or I'm going to leave, or I'm going to opt out, or I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. And the guy just hit a buck 50 over 60 games, had a bum shoulder. And there's a possibility where if the Rockies can give $35 million to somebody else, that might be okay for them. <laughs> and like, so it's just weird to me. That's like, there's, he takes no blame for the struggles the Rockies just had, where if he'd been great, and the Rockies gone 32 and 30, or, or that was not a possibility. I was like, wait, how many games were there? How many games did we just play, Patrick? 32 and 28. There are, there are several teams tied at 30 and 30, and in this round robin tournament, all of a sudden. Oh well, MLB did change the rules midseason. So, I mean, well, right. maybe there would but, be essentially two game 163s in a 60 game season. And I, my brain hurts. 
could have, could have gone down that way. But you, you get my point. If the Rockies had had a, a more competitive season uh, in a very short one, would people be talking about totally blowing? It's still people would be criticizing the Rockies. Of course they would. But again, so it's like he has to accept some of the blame for the fact that they were terrible in this short 60 game sample. And all that other stuff is nonsense. He's the best third baseman in the world when healthy. He's the best third baseman that's ever played the game. He's going to be fine. Obviously, we've gone over all the split stuff and why that's nonsense. And the splits always even out after guys leave Colorado. It's not just DJ LeMahieu. Um, uh, so it's just like, no, you, you would think the names would have piled up by now. You would think even LeMahieu having just happened would make somebody like a New York guy go, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> but eh. Whatever. But no, if the Colorado Rockies are trading Nolan Arenado, it has to be from the position that they are trading the best third baseman in the game, not that they're tra trading a 30-year-old with a big contract and a bum shoulder. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. I, I was kind of shocked he said buyer beware with him. He did say a, a little bit, but even still, I mean, I yeah. get I get it because, you know, that is a factor. And, and unless you're following the situation closely and no, and, and I did, I have, you know, heard somebody nationally just recently make those comments about, you know, when guys go away from Coors Field and they're, they're no longer a Rockies player, the splits are just no longer pronounced quite as much. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I think it's something we're going to start to see less and less uh, as part of the, the the dialogue of of Rockies players is oh man they're great at home and they're not so good on the road well we know why so let's just let's not even bother you know bringing that point up yeah uh, his the, next this point thing, and, yeah. and then when you don't compare it to other people that's the, I, I saw this because our, our good friend uh, Helton Hall of Fame guy on Twitter is always tweeting out phenomenal statistics about mm -hmm. it. And it's like Helton has a higher road on base percentage than like 75% of the corner infielders who are in the Hall of Fame. His, just his road on base percentage, just better than these. But his splits are so pronounced, people go, yeah, but it's so much worse than it is at home. Like that's, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that he go, oh, come on, man. All right. I think I, this is a fair comment, right. but it's also a little unfair coming up here. He said, quote, in regards to Arenado, he did not hit in the postseason a couple times. He's had the chance. Now, so far, Nolan has okay. played five games in the postseason, 23 right. played appearances, only batted 190, uh, did hit a home run in that wild card game against Arizona, mm -hmm. an RBI in, in all three of the series that he's played in. So a 507 OPS combined for those five games, you know, a lot of that having to do, of course, in that, that Milwaukee series where they got swept and no one hit. So it's a fair comparison, but it's also, we know, small sample size. Yeah, I've, I've heard this a couple of times before, and I always kind of chuckle a little bit because, um, yeah, it's, it's such a small sample size. And it's, especially those, those last four games, the three in Milwaukee and the one against L.A. in 2018, where they had been on that run of like 12 straight games to finish out the season uh, and then no off day, then straight to LA, then straight to Chicago, then straight to Milwaukee. And the whole offense was dead. It wasn't just Nolan Arenado. Nobody could hit. Um, that team had no legs. And so that one, those are where the vast majority of his at-bats came from. He was fine in that Arizona game, hit the ball hard a couple of times, like you said, crushed one out to center field. So no, I, I do not think that the player who has by far the most clutch statistics of anybody in the National League over the last five or six years uh, has the moment get to him in the postseason. Uh, maybe maybe a tiny, tiny little bit the way anybody would in their first real series or whatever. But it's also, you know, the, the quality of the pitching and the quality of the hitters are around you sometimes. And just anybody can go into a slump for two or three games. That's the other thing. We know Nolan Arenado does slump sometimes. But no, I'm not. That's that's always been a talking point that I've always kind of laughed at when these guys have like thousands of plate appearances, and then we look at six or well, probably what, maybe twenty in the postseason. Twenty-one at bats, twenty-three plate appearances, and again, that's not including the game one sixty-three in, in LA where he did homer uh, in the ninth inning. Again, at that point, it was it was you know a foregone conclusion there. But you know, so again, we we know what he does. 
uh, in the clutch uh, most other times during the regular season. And it's a small sample size. I really don't think any of the teams that have been, you know, kicking the tires on him, Dodgers, Cardinals, whoever, are really worried about that. Kind of fold in the playoffs, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, and then finally, uh, he wraps up by saying the Rockies are one of those teams that every few years they have a run. It breaks right, starting pitching comes together, they're going to hit, nah. win their 92-93 games, and make noise. Then the next year they go 70-92. It's a very, very difficult place to build long-term and sustaining it. It's very tricky. Rockies will probably tip in one direction and try to rebuild, which I don't agree with. I, I don't think they are going to rebuild. I think they should, but I do not think that they will. And I think, you know, what 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 is your take on this idea that things just kind of break their way? And, and I mean, it is kind of similar to what you were saying. Like, you know what? They, they try to put a competitive team out on the field every year, which – for better or worse, again, you're you're going to be entertained. You're going to have some some stars there, but they might not do that full rebuild where you could have more of a powerhouse and have more consistency in those seasons. But things do break right for them, and and they do have those 92, 93. I think that's I think that's that's actually pretty fair. He wasn't saying any kind of negative uh, tones, but uh, right. I do think that I do think overall he actually had a, had a good relative grasp of what's been going on with the Rockies, not just looking at now, but looking, I think about the, the breadth, looking at the entirety of the franchise as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's especially when you look back on it and you, you kind of look at those windows in each decade, right? They had 95 to 97 where they were an above 500 team went to the postseason. One of those years, 95 really could have been that year where they, Caught lightning in a bottle, could have, should have, would have beat Atlanta. Maybe that could have been a real run for that team there. Those are the the years you're looking for as a Rockies fan. Then it, it doesn't happen again for a while. And they've got that window from 2007. To, and, and I include 2010 in there, by the way. People want to cut it off. 2007 and 2009 because they obviously went to the t- postseason. In 2010, they were a very, very good baseball team and should have gone to the postseason again and didn't. Fell apart at the end. And then that team totally falls apart, right? So they had those windows each and then we saw 17 18 and now we're looking we're wondering do they have another year go around can they come back the way they kind of did 09 010 or is it are, are they about to go through another like they did after say 97 where, where they're out of it for a while that's really the worst stretch right where from 98 to 2005 was was really problematic um what I'll say is I agree that that's both the way it has been and probably the way it will continue to be as long as the Rockies operate as a team that tries to build normally, just kind of tries to go out and get whatever's the best option when they had like, right. Look back at that offseason. You and I have talked about this one offseason so much, so many times, but you know, they just said, Bridget, here's how much money you've got to spend. And here's our biggest problem. And he went, okay, I'm going to get all the best relievers I can get. And then let's hope over the next couple of years, we can be good. And for a time, to borrow from the Matrix Reloaded, it was good. And then (laughs) it 